Hello and welcome to the BG Podcast. My name is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group, and our guest today is Dr. Eliza Norwood. Welcome to the show, Dr. Norwood. Thanks. Good to be here. I keep wanting to say Eliza because we went to high school together, so it's just, uh, but you know, <laughs> respect, respect your work when you put into this. Um, we're going to be talking about your experience with the COVID or getting a COVID vaccination, the first, uh, the first uh, vaccination, you took the Pfizer uh, mm-hmm. shot, correct? Um, yep. Before we get to that, though, I want to just give a quick background, or have you given a quick, back, quick background about what you've been up to in Austin? Yeah, so uh, correct, we were both Jaguars back in the day when LBJ LB- was the Jags. LBJ I, science cat and math and science yeah. I saw recently on somebody's yard sign that they're now the Raptors, it's the loss of yeah. Raptors, and it, I didn't feel great about that. So no, had, Ours was the, the Nautilus, Nautilus, I don't know. It was a show. Oh, it was Jags. Oh, the Jags. Jaguars, we all, the Science Academy had its own thing, too. But. Oh, see, I didn't even know that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I um, obviously grew up here and then went away for college uh, in California and then lived in D.C. for um, a couple of years and then ended up going to med school in San Antonio. At that time, there was not a medical school in Austin, so I was just trying to get as close as possible. Uh, and then I went to residency in San Francisco, um, so left again, stayed there for five years, and then kind of random was uh, in Saipan, which is a little commonwealth by Guam, the U.S. commonwealth, in the Pacific Ocean for another year and a half, and then finally made my way back to Austin. Um, now it's been three years that I've been back. So I've been away for a little bit, but um, I'm very, very happy here. I'm settled. My family's here. So here to stay. Um, and part of what um, allowed me to come back is there is now a medical school in Austin. Mm-hmm. So I was really excited about that. Brand new medical school. We're now entering our fifth year. And so I'm an assistant professor of internal medicine at the UT Austin Dell Medical School. And uh, I also um, am medical director at Vivant Health, uh, which is um, newly merged with uh, an organization that's been around for decades in Austin called AIDS Services of Austin. So we provide um, what we call a medical home, like wraparound care for patients living with HIV, and then also provide HIV prevention services, STD testing and treatment, um, and gender affirming care for for, um, uh, people either living with HIV or seeking HIV prevention. Yeah, I love Biden. They're actually a uh, client, coincidentally a client of the firm. I didn't know that. Yeah, another coincidence. You, but saw that. So, you know, great. They're going to great work. Uh, so let's. I want to get to it. So uh, you you got the you got the Pfizer the first phase of the Pfizer vaccine several weeks ago. I think I saw it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Just let's go through that, right? Because uh, I think you're one of the few people I know who directly have gotten it, and just walk us through that. I think most people now know how it's being rolled out. Uh, frontline workers first. I think. I read today, uh, today's 20, December 29th, uh, uh, EMS and public safety uh, workers, police, fire are getting it now, and then as well as high at risk folks, uh, old folks' homes, um, retirement homes rather, and then uh, prison populations. But so, yeah. so you, you, where did you get the shot at? The vaccination? I got it at UT Health Austin. So it's uh, the clinic that's associated with the medical school. Um, I was really impressed with their organization. They, um, they had a bunch of um, nursing staff and students and volunteers um, who were there giving the vaccine. And um, 
we were alerted um, even actually before Thanksgiving that we would be getting the vaccine soon. So I think they had been in talks with the state about when they were gonna get the vaccine and had set it up. And then we got um, an email, uh, I think it was the second week of December saying, okay, slots are open, you need to sign up uh, on this, you know, on the UT Health Austin site. Um, we were given a secure link um, to make an appointment and there were just 15 minute appointment spots. Super, super easy. So, you know, went in there, I got some information about the vaccine um, and, you know, I had studied up on it before just to make this decision. And um, so got a little bit of information, got some information about the, the CDC's vaccine tracking project. Um, so, so it's called vSafe and it's an app um, where you can uh, go online and you track your symptoms after you get the vaccine. So they're still collecting data um, on um, uh, what symptoms people are having post-vaccination, how they're doing so that they get as much data as possible. So it's just another way to contribute to our knowledge. So um, I got signed up in that. And then the actual appointment was super quick. Um, you know, I just went, they asked me a couple of questions about my health, any severe allergies, things like that. And then they gave me the vaccine, um, didn't even feel it. Uh, it was one of the easiest vaccines I've gotten uh, in terms of the actual prick, the actual shot. And then they had me go sit in a room distanced from other people for 15 minutes um, because they want to watch and just make sure that you don't have any allergic reaction out of an abundance of caution. Mm -hmm. And when you're done with your 15 minutes, then you go home. And that was pretty much it. That's like the standard, like, yeah, I got a flu shot a few months ago, but just, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, pretty standard. Mm -hmm. um, and so you, know, you took the Pfizer vaccine, you took the first phase of the Pfizer vaccine. When's, the ne when's your next uh, treatment? So the Pfizer, it's a, a prime, what they call a primer shot um, on your first day. And then 21 days later, you get your second shot, which is called a booster. What's this for, for the non-medical professionals out there? What's the difference? So actually no difference. Uh, it's just what the immune system is doing. So the reason that they um, are doing it in two shots is just to have the most robust immune response um, possible right now. So um, both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine, which I know you wanted to talk about kind of the differences and similarities, yeah. they're both um, a new type of technology called, um, well, a, a new type of technology used for vaccines, which is um, mRNA vaccines. And so mRNA, um, and we can get in, we can get into this as much as you want to get into it. Um, like a, maybe six feet, uh, six feet in, like five feet in. Okay, okay. So we'll just stick our pinky in. So it's basically synthesized code that will code for your body to make a protein. And so um, it's, it's quite, and that protein is then what stimulates your immune system to create a response and be like, aha, this looks kind of like a piece of the virus. So I'm gonna remember it and I'm gonna create memory cells. And so what happens is that later, if you're ever exposed to the virus, you got those memory cells immediately ready to go and they can attack and wipe out the virus. So that mRNA snippet that they're giving you it's, uh, it degrades very, very quickly in your body. It doesn't hang around, it doesn't do anything crazy, doesn't integrate into your DNA, you know. I've talk, I've heard talk. I'm not, yes, <laughs> yes, and that's why I'm saying all these things. Yeah, so it degrades very quickly. Um, and so the idea is that with the two shots, it kind of helps your body remember and make enough of those memory cells. So it's just a little booster, like a kind of like um, triggers the memory again. Gotcha. And so you waited 15 minutes after the injection, mm -hmm. feasy, and then done and done. 
right? Yep, done and done. Yep, and then in 21 days, I'll get my booster. I got you. And then for maybe it goes without saying, but just for those, can you highlight the importance of you know a vaccination in general, apart from this one? But um, as we know, there, there anti-vaccination sentiment was was already kind of boil was not kind of was boiling up high prior to the pandemic. And again, this isn't taking a stance on it. But these these are this is just I think common knowledge. I mean, you saw pockets of country that had were experiencing certain uh, certain uh, outbreaks that of diseases and viruses that have been eliminated mm -hmm. <laughs> in developing countries. I think right. uh, I can't remember what it was. I mean, there. It was something. I, I mean, I, it was. It wasn't even measles. It was something. It was something. Like, I had read about it in a history book. Like oh, it's like smallpox. You're talking about, I yeah, think. smallpox or something. Like, where, what's going on here? But just again, just the importance of vaccination. Obviously, mm -hmm. there, there, there are there are risks. But you talk about just you know, kind of the balance of that. We're, yeah. We're population and like and herd immunity, and, and actually, what herd immunity means. Sure. Yeah. There's different misconceptions about that, I know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a lot of different really important points. Um, so the first is that vaccines are like the absolute backbone of public health. So there is nothing, nothing that is more, has a bigger positive impact on public health for the smallest cost. It's just like the you know, most good you can do with the least amount of money and the most longstanding benefit. So what I think you were mentioning before, smallpox, that was a terrible disease that killed, you know, many, many, many people. And we don't even care. It's literally been eradicated from the face of the earth because of vaccines. It took a worldwide coordinated vaccine campaign where everybody across the world was getting vaccinated at the same time. And so everybody was protected from it and nobody could pass it on and it died out. Like that's one of the biggest medical feats in all of human history. And we did it back in the 50s. <laughs> and so polio is another great example. You know, we had a president who was uh, in a wheelchair from polio. And you don't, you don't see, you know, your neighbors and friends who are paralyzed from polio. I went to Haiti when I was in medical school and I saw a kid who was paralyzed from polio. It's like absolutely de devastating, this, you know, little kid. Yeah, that's a good one to bring up because I just, I remember, well, I remember, I, I was around, I've read about just, the the uh, kind of when pol the polio epidemic was going was coming through cutting mm -hmm. through America and the fear because you really didn't know was it airborne was in the pools like mm -hmm. you know, it was impacting you know kill you see children with leg braces and right. or iron lungs right but there was no it was it was almost COVID like but you know because you just didn't know what how it was impacting and who would get it and mm -hmm. uh, no one was safe yeah. So what's also been incredible about that is that that has also been a worldwide campaign to eradicate polio. And we have not completely eradicated it, unfortunately. There are still little pockets um, where it's coming up, but, but that's been because people are not getting vaccinated um, in certain areas. And that has to do with a lot of, of different factors, but mistrust is a big one. Um, and so, you know, we've seen time and again, measles is another example. Um, we used to have a lot of measles in this country. Now we have very small amounts, but we see it coming back in outbreaks when people are not vaccinating their kids. Um, then the kids can get it and, and spread it. And so what we're seeing is that um, people like to say that vaccines are, um, uh, they are at the mercy of their own success because when they work really well, you don't see anything. And so you forget why they were so important in the first place. 
And I have to say, I was really naive when the COVID pandemic first started because the first thought I had was, oh, wow, this is going to be the end of the anti-vaccine era <laughs> because people are going to be, so, it's going to be so obvious that the solution to this is vac vaccines that people will all get it. And um, that was very naive. And, and, um, and I think instead what we've seen is, you know, with all of the mistrust that we have, um, understandably, you know, in our, um, in our government and, and kind of transparency that, that people are really questioning every single part of medicine and public health and vaccines are a part of that. So, um, I, sorry, that's my dog in the background. It's COVID times, it's good. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think one thing to know is that, um, my understanding of like vaccine hesitancy is different than anti-vaccine, like, like black and white anti-vax. So there's um, a movement that is anti-vax that is quite rigid and like, I'm, I'm not even going to think about it. I believe it's evil or, and, and I apologize, I may be putting statements into the mouths of, of that movement um, because I'm not a part of it and so I don't fully understand. But then there's vaccine hesitancy which is people who understandably don't have all of the information and are um, unsure because they want to know more and, and they are uncertain about what to believe and what not to believe. And that I think is totally reasonable and we need to have more acceptance of like recognizing that people, especially with you know, the COVID vaccine, which is a new technology being used for vaccines that people are gonna want to discuss it and want answers. Um, and I hope we can have really open conversations about that where we don't just say like, you're anti-vax and you're pro-vax and we can't talk. Because um, I think it is important to kind of talk about why we know that it's safe and effective and why, as you said, the benefits outweigh the risks, which is what I believe and, and what I can talk about. Um, but when we talk about benefits and risks of the vaccine, I think the other point to keep in mind is that you're thinking about not only the risks of getting that vaccine, am I going to get a fever or am I, is my arm, arm going to be sore, these more kind of potentially common effects, but we sometimes don't think about, but what is also the risk of you getting COVID? And that is part of that vaccine decision. So it's not just, you know, I'm not totally sure about this vaccine and I want to learn more, but it's, COVID has killed, you know, 300,000 people and it's unpredictable. Yes, we can make sweeping generalizations about who it affects and who it kills, but it kills, it has killed young people. It has caused blood clots. It has caused strokes. It, it is not something you want. Um, and so I think just remembering that there is a disease that you can potentially spread to other people and that can affect you very severely is the other calculus that sometimes doesn't get in there. I think too, right, people go, at least this past year, the folks, a lot, at least people initially when I was talking about the, trying to diminish the seriousness of the pandemic was, well, how many, you know, how many, how many people are actually dying from a global, that I mean, you look at the kind of the, the chronic illnesses that can save the rest of your life on this. I mean, that relative to some of the things you're saying, you know, it's, there are, there are a lot of more extreme, you know, you know loss of taste, loss of smell the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's so new. We don't know, we might know for 20 years, right, or a generation from now, what the overall ripples of this are. Right, so and, and the fact, yeah, totally. And, you know, I think when you don't see it up close, it can be 
it can be easy to just say, okay, that's probably not going to be me, but um, many people are dying, many, and, you know, I, and they are hitting uh, the most vulnerable communities. So I was working at community care um, up until very recently as a primary care doc, and I had one clinic where four of the 10 patients that I saw in a half day had had immediate family members die. And it was just like absolutely devastating. And so like, yes, you know, this year has been awful and it sucks to miss out on all these social gatherings, but a year or even two of, of that, you know, if you are able, I know there's a lot of wide, wide ranging economic effects too that have serious consequences, but that versus, you know, somebody dying. I mean, it, it is a really big deal. So your, with your medical opinion and your background, why, why is the, the vaccination safe, the Pfizer vaccination, or both of them, right? Pfizer and Moderna, why are, they, why are they safe? Yeah, so there's a lot of concern that the trials, which prove safety and efficacy, were rushed. And so what I want to make super, super clear is that the safety part of these trials was not rushed. Um, and I used to work in HIV vaccine trials. So I have, you know, experience in, in looking at these trials and understanding them. And the difference was, one, the mRNA vaccines, they take a lot less time to create. So traditional vaccines, they actually have to grow and culture virus, real virus, and then they kill it or they inactivate it. And that's what makes the vaccine. This new one, the mRNA vaccine, they synthesize it in a lab. So it takes very, very little time. So there's no actual virus and you cannot get infected from it. So that's something really super important to know. It codes for a little bit of code for one tiny little part of a virus. So for example, if you have like a car tire and you give that to somebody, they can get to know it and be, and then recognize when a car goes by with a tire, that's what your immune system is doing. And it's like, oh, that's a car. We got to go attack it. But you can never create a functional car from a single tire. So there's no way you can actually get virus from this little snippet of code. So that's really important to know. It's a great analogy. Thanks. I'm um, trying to think about <laughs> what, what makes the most sense. Uh, so one, mRNA vaccines are really exciting because you can create a lot of them very, very quickly. So that sped things up. The other is that there was this huge multinational effort to get vaccine as soon as possible. So they paid for all the cost up front. That usually doesn't happen. Usually you have phase one where you study in the lab and then you've got to wait till that's approved. Then you go to phase two and get money for phase two. And phase two is looking at a small number of people for safety and how much dose you're gonna give. Then you wait, you get more money and more buy-in. And so all of that was compressed because all these governments said, we're just gonna pay you know, tons of money for you guys up front to, we're basically betting on success. So that sped things up. Um, and uh, so that's all important to know. I think it's safe because the actual duration of the safety data. So for severe uh, vaccine side effects, we see that very soon. We see that within a month. Okay. Um, and usually the, the like potential side effects are immediate. And so what they did in, in the Pfizer trial, and I, I got the Pfizer vaccine, similar to Moderna, they studied over 35,000 people in five different countries for two months. Okay, so plenty of time to see severe side effects. And, um, and, they, and it was crazy effective. Um, so the cutoff usually for effectiveness is more than 50% decrease among people who got the vaccine in getting new infections compared to people who didn't. 95% effective. 
Pfizer and Moderna is 94%. So that means 95% of the people uh, who would have gotten sick did not. Um, so that means COVID with symptoms and severe COVID. So very, very effective. And then the safety data, right? So we did see symptoms and we call them reactogenicity. That's the term because it's not side effects. I actually don't like that term side effect because it's expected. Like if, you know, uh, I don't know what this is a good analogy, but you, you expect when your immune system is activated, you're going to get some soreness, you know, in your arm. You're, you might feel a little bit of tiredness. You might even get a little bit of a fever because your immune system is, is building and fighting against this thing that's just been introduced. And then that goes away. And that's all part of an expected immune process, okay? So it's not you actually getting sick. So these expected reactogenicity side effects, they include pain at your injection site, about 80% of people had that. Some fatigue, about 60% of people had that. Headache. Uh, even you know, about 14% had fever. Those were all, and, and then in the clinical trials, they grade them as severe, moderate, or mild. So severe meaning I couldn't go to work. I couldn't do what I usually do because of this. Yeah. So of all of those things, less than 1% were graded as severe. So even when we're talking about fatigue, fever, arm pain that are expected, the vast majority are mild. So all of that together means, okay, I'm preventing myself 95% efficacy from getting something that could kill me or that I could pass on to somebody else and kill them. And instead I'm getting mild arm soreness and fatigue and 35,000 people have been tested. Like that to me is just like case closed, very clear benefit outweighing risk. Uh, I want to close by just, you know, highlighting any other programs and initiatives that you have going on at the medical school or with Vivint. Or in the, just in the community? Um, yeah, so um, in terms of the medical school, um, I teach primary care um, clerkship, uh, just kind of family medicine and outpatient internal medicine. And we have um, preceptors, so volunteer attendings um, who teach our medical students uh, all over the city. Um, so very grateful for that. Um, and then I'm doing education um, of providers and um, different healthcare workers on HIV prevention um, and gender affirming care, which is another area of focus. I got it. Well, Dr. Lisa Norwood, thank you for your time. We'd love to have you back on the show in the new year. Uh, go Jags. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks.